Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Right, so on to speaking about more about God. Thank you, sir. We're looking at our theme for the month, which is stretching. And so I've got a title for you for my message this morning, which is referred to as Stretching in Action. Stretching in Action. And I've just got two points, which means they're going to be either really short or really long, or maybe somewhere in between. Uh, So my first point on Stretching in Action is we're going to be looking at effort and reward. Because if we're going to be having any stretching happening in our lives, there's going to require some effort, something that you're going to be needing to do. But it's not all hard work without any payoffs. There's huge dividends. And so there are rewards that you get out of your stretching. And so we're going to be looking at uh, effort and reward. But I went to the dictionary. Um, I kind of knew this, but I just wanted to get that absolute clarification because what I say, I want to make sure that it's real, that I'm saying. And stretch or stretching is a verb. And if you think back to your schooling days, some of you are probably still in the schooling system. Uh, but verbs are doing words. They're words that describe an action, something that you actually do. And so with stretching then, it's an action word, which means that there needs to be some motion, some activity that's within there. Now, it might mean sometimes that the stretching that you were doing could seem like there isn't any progress. There might be a perceived inaction, but there will always be something happening as a result of you stretching. Stretching in itself, it's about reaching beyond what you can comfortably get to. And as I look around here, okay, here's a microphone. I should still be in camera shop. There's a microphone right here, and it's probably going to be off. It is. If that was on, and that's fine, sound guys, you don't need to put it on. But me tapping on that, you'd actually hear it. And that was pretty easy for me to do because I could just walk up to it and tap on it like that. But there's another one over here, and I can't reach that microphone at the moment. Even though I'm stretching, I'm not stretching far enough. But if I up on my toes, stretch my arm across, then I can get to that one. So clearly, stretching requires action. You've got to move from where you are extend yourself, do more than what you are currently doing to be able to attain whatever it is that you are stretching for. It's a bit like exercise. It's the saying that when you're exercising, if it's not hurting, you're not trying hard enough. Now, don't go to this extent, obviously. That's a little bit too much trying too hard. But all exercise should have a level of discomfort. If not immediately, try any new exercise that you've not done before. And the day after or two days after, you'll soon discover all these amazing new muscles that you never knew were actually there previously. So there will be actions as a result of your stretching that is on there. Now, still speaking about exercise, there needs to be stretching before you exercise so as to prevent potential injuries. And so there will be preparation in our lives. In the things that God wants us to stretch for, there'll be preparation. So you may have things on your heart that uh, God spoke to you just privately or through the word, or maybe you've had a prophetic word, or just a friend or a colleague has been encouraging you and saying, look, I think this is going to be happening for you. And you might have got a witness to some of those things. And you think, okay, well, I've got to do something to help enable those things to take place. So there will be a time of preparation. So when we're talking about stretching, don't immediately get frustrated going, but it needs to happen tomorrow. Well, there will be some preparation time. That will take some time. But I do want to challenge each of us, and myself included, what are the things that you're thinking about stretching for? 
what are the things that you are stretching for and how's that preparation going? There needs to be preparation so that you can be a part of what those things are. Now, when we go stretching, it's going to mean that we have to move out of our comfort zone. It's going to be doing things or thinking about things that you've perhaps not done before. And if it's worthwhile, then there will be what's referred to as a degree of difficulty. Now, there is actually some amazing uh, formulas and some mathematical equations that can track degrees of difficulty. So I've got a slide to show you here. And uh, some of the, uh, the smaller writing might not be all that discernible down the bottom there. If some of you are science or math related, you might be able to recognise some of those equations. I did a quick quiz to someone during the week and I said, do you recognise any of those symbols? And uh, they sort of didn't really, and that's fine because nor did I. Uh, but there's some, some models that are actually on there. But the two key things to be looking at is that down the left-hand side there running up there is a difficulty level from zero up to number four. Running across the bottom is a knowledge level. So when you are trying to stretch yourself, there's going to be a degree of difficulty because it means going beyond something that you can currently do. So there will need to be something that's harder to do than what you are currently doing. Um, If difficulty is a strange word to be thinking about, then substitute that with the word effort. So whatever you are trying to do, it should require more effort than what you are currently doing. Otherwise, you're really not stretching at all. You're just doing the same old. And then more than likely, there will be some increased knowledge that is also required to achieve whatever it is, even if it's just knowing what you're doing and what the expected outcomes ought to be from whatever it is you are doing. And there needs to be, ideally, a combination of those two factors, an increase in your effort level and an increase in your knowledge. Now, you've got to get the sweet spot on there also. If there is too much effort, if it's too difficult, you go straight up to the top of the scale and you're in anxiety realm, and that doesn't help anybody. So it can't be too much of that. On the knowledge side of it, it can't be too much knowledge either because you'll get overwhelmed with that. But likewise, it can't not be stretching your knowledge. It shouldn't be not expanding that because then you'll go into the boredom perspective. So there there does need to be two factors there when you're looking at your range of degree of difficulty. So we want to stretch in the effort that it requires us. We do want to increase the knowledge that we've got, but just make sure you don't max out on the effort and that you don't dumb down too much on the knowledge. You want to try and get those sweet spots in there, but there should be a degree of difficulty with whatever it is that you are trying to stretch towards. On the knowledge perspective, let me show you a scripture here. This is Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 15. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, for the ears of the wise seek it out. So this is not God's tips and tricks here. When God writes something in the Bible, it's not a if you feel like it. It really is the strongest possible encouragement from God saying, look, I've written it, it's pretty important, and this is what you should aspire to when you possibly can. So God wants us to acquire knowledge, which means it's an ongoing process. Unless you're God, you will never know everything. So therefore, it needs to be a constant process that you should be trying to embark on. And I try and do that. Um, I try and read as widely as I possibly can. I came out with, I mentioned something to Robin the other day, and I said, there you go, you didn't know I knew that, did you, sweetie? I said, that's one of, at least, the useless facts of information, which is actually useful on this particular occasion. <laughs> but I just, I just love that. I, I love to know things and find out as much as I possibly can. So enact that verse in your Bible. Stretch yourself Increase your knowledge. You just don't know how God might want to use those things down the track. 
And with the knowledge requiring, don't just make it an event, the thing that you did last week or once a week. Make it part of your lifestyle. It's a bit like eating healthy. It's ideal to eat healthy most of the time rather than just one day a week and then just eat rubbish all the other time. So try and make seeking knowledge an ongoing thing as part of your lifestyle. When it comes to stretching and exercise, I suppose, on the physical side of things, the Mayo Clinic um, actually says that to get maximum benefit, you need at least 30 minutes of aerobic exercise, which means cardiovascular type of things. You could do less than that, but the sweet spot there is at least 30 minutes. But in the stretching process, if you're not used to that, then it's unwise to go from zero to 30 straight away. So when I started my bike riding, I didn't do the length of bike rides that I currently do. I started for about a 10 or a 15-minute bike ride just to get the muscles working, uh, just to become familiar with you know, where I'm riding and things like that. And then over time, I gradually built up how long I was riding uh, up until my current regime, which is just under an hour. Um, I normally do around about 15 kilometres uh, per day, and I do that on most days. But I couldn't go from zero to that straight away. I needed to go through that process of stretching my body and stretching my awareness of having exercise as a part of it. So it does need to be gradual, but I certainly had a goal in mind. My goal was increased physical fitness uh, and things like that. But when it comes to God, let me encourage you to stretch out to get closer to God. And again, don't set yourself unrealistic goals that you'll bomb out because you'll get discouraged and it won't help you. And really, God doesn't really care whether you hit the goal on day one or not. He desires that you desire for him. And so it really is a process more than anything else. So if you're struggling with a prayer life and you've heard people talk about, oh, I pray every day for X number of minutes or I I read so many chapters of the Bible, don't compare yourself with others. But I do want to encourage every single one of us, and Bruce, listen to yourself here, let us all get closer to God. And so that's going to be something different for every single one of us. So make it manageable things that you can work on. So if you struggle to pray every single day and you just do you know, a couple of days here and there and it's a, it's a fabulous hour, maybe on a Friday, and then you don't pray again until the following Wednesday, try and do something a little bit more regular. Maybe have a goal, believe it or not, a goal of daily prayer for five minutes. You might think, oh my goodness, five minutes, isn't that cheating God? Well, I think God prefers regularity more than anything else. Like if you've got a friend, you would contact them and be in communication with them on a regular basis, as regular as you can, not just every now and then. So increase your prayer time, increase your frequency, but make it attainable. And the same with reading God's word as well. But either way, make sure that you are stretching yourself to get closer to God. Here's an amazing scripture talking about stretching. This is Matthew chapter 12 and verses 9 to 13. Going on from that place, this is Jesus, he went into their synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And verse 13 Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. When it comes to stretching, it's about doing something that you can't do. It's doing what you think is not possible. 
So imagine being told, if you were this man, imagine being told to do something that you know you can't do. Here's Jesus, and I don't know whether this man knew much about Jesus or not, but let's assume he did know that Jesus was the Son of God, or at least claimed to be. So Jesus says to you, stretch out your hand. And there's this guy with a shriveled hand. You think, "Um, have you got a vision problem here, Jesus? Like, you're telling me to do something that I cannot do. But Jesus knows exactly what's doing that, what's going on here. God wants us to do what we think we can't do. But with God, all things are possible. So this man had to stretch his faith before he could actually stretch his hand. Then when he stretched his faith, when he stretched his understanding, when he stretched his belief and trust in God, then he was able to stretch what he couldn't previously stretch. And he got a complete hand on there. So whatever it is that God is stretching you to do, if he's asking you to do it, guess what? You can. He's enabled you. He doesn't ask you to do anything that you cannot do. It might feel like you can't do it. It might feel like you can't do it yet. But he knows all the plans and purposes for your life and you will be able to do whatever it is. Here's a final scripture as we look at this part here. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. So we fix our eyes on what is seen but not on what... Sorry. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There's a lot in that. So let's leave that up on the screen just for a few moments. Thanks, Colton. And I want to work backwards uh, from there, starting at the, the back of it there. What is unseen is eternal. And depending on your Christian understanding, the eternal is way more valuable than the non-eternal stuff. If you're following Jesus, you have eternal life. It's already started. You're just starting it here, and then you go on to finish eternal life with God forever. So the eternal is way more important than what is not eternal. So the more important things, in actual fact, are the things that are unseen. So the things that we do see are this small in the whole scheme of things. Even though I know this is the world we live in, but the things that we see, the problems that we see with our eyes, the things that we see can't be done, they might be true and valid to some extent, but our focus is meant to be on what the unseen things are. The unsaved family members, that's more important than the saved family members that you can see. The job that you're hoping for, that you're praying for, that's more important than whatever your current situation is. So we need to work backwards with that. And so we need to be looking for the unseen, not the seen. And isn't that what faith is? If you can see it, it's not faith. It's, it's already there. You don't require faith to see something that is before you. But you do need faith to see things as God sees them. And, of course, remember, God is eternal. He's the Alpha and the Omega. So in actual fact... Time to God means nothing. So when he says it's already happened, it has happened. We've just got the time delay because of our mortality. But it doesn't make it not real. It just means we haven't seen it happening yet. All right, so that's point number one, effort and reward. We will get incredible, great rewards, but we do need to put some effort in there. All right, my second point then, headwinds and delays. Headwinds and delays. Headwinds, another way of thinking about those, could be challenges, obstacles, barriers, frustrations. You can interchange that term if you want to, but I'm just referring to it as headwinds. It's the stuff that happens that you don't like, 
that you don't expect and quite often you don't want. But it's a part of doing life sometimes. So there will be headwinds along the way and there will be delays. There will be our timing and there's God's timing and sometimes those two things don't match up frustratingly so certainly for me at least but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't stretch it doesn't mean that we're not on the right track it partly means that you're just human being on there so with headwinds can headwinds can challenges be good well yes they can and i don't know hayden must have known this but um yes here is an aircraft reference for you when it comes to headwinds can headwinds be good yes they can and here's a brief video to help explain that to you Wind is a very important factor during takeoff and landing in particular. And I want you to remember that there are two things, two, two speeds that are important to us. The one is the speed of the air as it flows over the, uh, the wing that creates lift. And the other one is the speed of the airplane relative to the ground. We, we always look to take off and land into wind, that is into a headwind, because that reduces our approach speed and the landing distance and the takeoff distance that we need to use uh, at the airport. It is safe to take off with tailwinds under some circumstances and some uh, aeroplanes are designed for that, but optimum performance is always uh, into a a headwind component, so with the wind uh, blowing towards the aeroplane and over the wings. Excellent. Now, nobody follow that link right now. You can look at that afterwards. So it does seem counterintuitive, doesn't it? You think, well, hang on, you want to you get to a certain speed and surely, um, like if you're riding a bike or even running into the wind, you feel that when you think, well, hang on, this is not what I should be doing. It's more effort that's required. But the laws of aerodynamics means that the faster that the wind goes over a wing, it actually increases the lift of the wing, which is what that guy was also saying. And so there's a situation where a headwind is advantageous to you. Now, once you reach a certain speed, the plane takes off, the headwind slows you down in actual fact. And so Hayden mentioned that he came back from Sydney last night um, in reasonably good timing. Um, So once you're in the air, the headwind actually isn't necessarily a good thing. Uh, One of the trips that I came back from Sydney one time, which is normally around four hours, around 4.30-ish, thereabouts, well, my flight on this particular occasion was like five hours, 15. And you think, oh my goodness, can I still be in the same country and be flying for that long? So headwinds don't always work that well, but they do in other situations. So whenever you're getting some opposition in your life, realize that it actually might be a good thing. If you've got to press through and believe for something, then my goodness, you're going to have a great testimony at the other side of that. And you're going to be able to encourage other people and say, look, I've gone through something like that, or I've gone through something similar, or even if it hasn't, you can say, look, I've been through something myself, not the same as you, but hey, when I came out the other end, I saw God's faithfulness. I saw him provide in this situation. And so we do need to build up some resilience in our lives. But appreciate sometimes when there is some challenges, there are some obstacles because it will force you to press into God and get more than what you originally thought that you could cope with. They can make you better. So that's headwinds. They can be a great thing, even though you don't like it at the time. Delays can also be a good thing, and uh, they're not one of my favorites. If I had to say a regular prayer, say, come on, God, I'm ready. Like, why aren't you? And I'm pretty sure the answer would normally be, well, actually, you think you're ready, but you're not, uh, hence the delay. But I just want to, you know, like the kids in the back of the car, are we there yet? Um, That's pretty much one of my common prayers with God, like, come on, God, what's happening here? But the delays, 
Here's the thing about delays. Delays aren't necessarily denials. They're not necessarily no's. They're perhaps just not yet's. You might not like them, but they're just not yet's. But when you get a delay, it can either stretch you or it can push you into abandonment. Don't go into the abandonment side. Allow God to stretch you. Don't spit the dummy with God and say, well, it's not happening in my time frame. Stick in there with the delay because they're not necessarily going to be a denial. Have some stickability in there. Don't abandon things. Don't jettison things because if it's something really key in your life that God wants you to be able to work through, chances are he'll just let you wander in the desert, hopefully not for 40 years, and that's why the Jews were in the desert for 40 years. Lesson not yet learned. So let's not waste 40 years and abandon things. Just say, okay, God, there's a delay, but I'm going to press in anyway and be ready for when the delay stops being an actual delay. So they're not necessarily no's, it's simply perhaps a case of not yet. And I certainly understand that in the world in which we live, we're very much in a, I want it now, we've got a 24-7 world that's happening. Uh, it all started several decades back. We started off with instant noodles, which actually weren't instant, they were like two minutes, but it felt like instant because it wasn't hours worth of cooking on there. Uh, then came microwaves, uh, then came some households have two microwaves, That'd be mine, by the way. And then we, uh, then we get Uber Eats, where we don't even want to have to go to the restaurant anymore. We just want to phone up and we place the order. And then it's a case of, where's my food already? I place the order, waiting for the knock on the door. And uh, Uber Eats is taking way more time than we want it to. So we very much do live in an instant, I want it now kind of world. But sometimes waiting for things is actually better. It is so much sweeter when you do wait for things. And there are huge advantages of waiting for things sometimes. Uh, Robert and I just finished a renovation in our ensuite, and our bathroom was pretty revolting. It was a 1950s home. We did a very quick makeover when we moved in about 15 years ago, went to a salvage yard, got an old secondhand uh, bathroom vanity, whacked it in there. It made it serviceable, but not pretty. And so we've been planning for a long time to do this renovation and we could have gone to the bank and taken out more money on the mortgage and overnight instantly got a brand new bathroom. We didn't want to do that. We said, no, we're actually going to do this old-fashioned thing of saving cash and waiting for it. And we did that. And we're both so grateful that we did that because the end result of that, rather than going out and seeing the first kitchen that we fell in love with, we had a decent amount of time to go through probably 15 different versions in our head as to what we were going to end up with. So all that time we were saving, we kept on looking. And by the time we had the amount of money to do our bathroom, we'd processed all the different variations. We'd worked out exactly what we wanted and we now absolutely love it. So sometimes waiting for things is a good thing because when it eventually comes, you know that it's the right thing for you. It's the right opportunity. It's the right timing. And you've done the preparation. You are ready for whatever it is that finally comes to you. So don't despise the waiting. Don't live in this instant now kind of a world all of the time. It stretches us in great ways. Okay, so I might just uh, getting close to wrapping up. So maybe, uh, Paul, if you're around, if you can grab the keys, that'd be fantastic. Here's a scripture for us as well. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. 
I just keep on going back to this particular verse. It's really been something that's God spoken to my heart probably over the last 12 or 18 months, which is pretty amazing. I don't go searching for verses that I want God to speak to, but just in messages and just even in my devotional life, this is one of the verses that keeps coming back to me. And so I wanted to share it again this morning. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So before I mention that, God is timeless. He doesn't forget things. And so when he says, I've got plans for you, in my Bible, there's no expiry date on that. There's no use-by date. There's no best-before date. There's no date on there at all. It's just God speaking to me saying, he has got plans for me. And this Bible verse is for all of us, by the way. It's not just God spoke this to me. It's for every single one of us. God speaks the Bible to all of us. So he has plans for every single one of us. And so even though we might get those delays, we might get the the not yets that are on there, he hasn't forgotten. And I've shared in a few of my previous messages about some of the the long-term things that I saw in God as a young Christian. Now, some of those things took decades to happen. Now, could some of them have happened quicker? Possibly. Maybe I didn't stretch as much as I should have, or maybe it was just the sovereignty of God. But verses like this really encourage me because I know that God's word is true. So whatever your level of frustration is, can you trust God enough to know he's got your number? He knows where you live. He hasn't forgotten the plans or the purposes. And when it happens, you'll be grateful that God is there. And you might even be a bit like me, go, you know what, God? I'm so glad that didn't happen back then because of who I am now, because of what I now know. I'm so glad that I get to do these things now rather than before because I can see there's a greater fruitfulness, there's a greater effectiveness by just sticking with that delay. With the delays, though, let me also encourage you, delays don't mean do nothing. We've got 24 hours in every single day. And I always like to think about this with, uh, if you come to a point of saying, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Saviour. If you've asked Jesus into your heart and you know that you get eternal life and forgiveness of sin by doing that, and we're going to give an opportunity in a few moments for you to do that if you haven't. But at that point, uh, we refer to it as being born again or being saved or your point of salvation, whatever terminology you want to throw into that. At that point, if that was God's absolute plan, then you would leave this earth straight away and go straight up to be with heaven with Jesus forever. And that would be kind of nice. But that doesn't happen for any of us. And so that means that God has things for us to do. And it's not just on our first anniversary as a Christian, or after 10 years, or 15 years. It's not just on the 13th of the month. It's not just on certain days. God has things for every single one of us every single day that he wants to do in our lives and through us. So when you get delays in your life, when you get those setbacks, when you get the headwinds, don't just sit back and do nothing. Find whatever your hand can do and do things for God every single day. Ecclesiastes is not on the screen here for you, but Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And I even love the fact that it uses an example of a hand. It's not some sort of in-the-future type of thing. Whenever you perceive the future in God, it's talking about a hand. We've all got hands, hopefully. And so it's a very tangible type of a thing that God's referring to here. Whatever our hand finds to do, do it with all of our might. So it's not about procrastinating, even though you've got those delays. Make sure that you do whatever it is that's before you on this particular day. 
And the last thing I'm going to be talking about, sorry, just on, on the delays, if you want to get annoyed about delays, here's something to think about. Jesus. He had the ultimate delay. He had to wait 30 years before he got to do the public ministry that we know of now. Can you imagine Jesus knowing what he knew, knowing who he was, and he didn't do anything in the way that we know of for those 30 years, yet all of that time. So he can go, well, what's this delay? He certainly didn't do, any, didn't do nothing. He did a lot of things along the way. So he's got the ultimate excuse for spitting the dummy when it comes to delays, but he didn't, obviously, so I don't think we can either. Final little image I want to show you. Thanks, Colton. This is a, uh, a fuel tank little gauge graphic there for you. And that can be our lives but I don't want that to be a representation of what I've got inside of me when I die. Not to be too morbid. Obviously, all of us eventually uh, will leave these bodies and go to be with the Lord, and that's going to be a great thing to happen. But I don't want to have all of my energy and all of my resources and all of my capabilities and all of my capacities and all of my ability to do things. I, want to, I don't want to die with a tank like that, three quarters full. I want to have lived a life... And be almost at the empty point. Not the point that it kills me in what I do, but you know what I mean? I want to be able to use the fuel that God has placed inside of my life. He's put things inside of me to be used, not to store up, not to look at, put on a shelf and admire. That's not what this life is about. It's about doing things that God has placed inside of you and then pouring those out. And the great part about serving God is that if you have that attitude of pouring yourself out, and Scripture talks about this, then He renews you daily. And so you never need to fear about going down to the actual empty mark, but make it your goal of emptying yourself, knowing that God will refill you, rather than the other goal of, oh, I've got to save it all up. No, no, no. Jesus didn't save up anything, did he? He gave his entire life for every single one of us. That's the ultimate of him giving everything. And so let that be part of us as well. So let me recap on the things that I've been talking about this morning then, is about putting in the effort... Reap the rewards, you will see those. Embrace the headwinds, roll with the delays. Know that delays aren't necessarily no's, they're perhaps just not yet's. Stretch and live. And finally, some things you might have been hearing us talk about, some of these key words. Believe. Believe that God has plans for your life. Belonging is important. Belong somewhere where God can use you and pour out those things through you. That will be, obviously, a local church like this, but also belong to the families, belong into the community that you are a part of, and allow God to work and minister through you. And finally, become all that God wants you to be. He's got great plans for every single one of us. Let's not let any of those things pass away. Now, of course, that's all great, but it all has to start with one thing. It's got to start with Jesus being a part of your life. So um, if you can put the slide up there for me, thank you, Colton. We've got, um, talking about our instant society, we've got different ways in which you can connect with Jesus also. You can certainly talk to any of our leaders. You can go to our people out of the Connect Hub after the service and ask them, look, you know, how do I become a Christian or how do I get closer to God? But here's another way in which you can respond to Jesus. Now, you do need to say a prayer and invite Jesus into your heart. You don't just text off that number or hop online. There's a bit more to it than that. But after you've made that commitment, after you've made a decision to follow Jesus, to accept him into your heart, then we want to make it really easy for you to get to know God. And so what you need to do simply is text that number 0488 826 392 or you can hop online to yes 
www.metrochurch.org.au. And what will happen after you do either of those two is that for the following day and for the next 30 days, we will send you a Bible verse and we'll send you a prayer that accompanies that verse to help you understand how easy it is to pray to Jesus. And that's just to get you started along the way, to get you into regularly connecting with God through his word. And of course, talk to anybody that you know who's a Christian, uh, connect with us at church, and we would help you along the way for that also. So it's as simple as that. That's all you need to do. 